You're listening to the Extra Podcast from Northview Community Church. Today, we're talking with Nancy Steiger from Apologetics Canada about the importance of apologetics and how that plays a role in how we reach our neighbors with the gospel. For more information about Northview, go to northview.org. All right, my name is Adam Wormald, and I'm the Communications Director here at Northview, and I'm sitting at the table with Ezra Okoti. Hi. Nancy Steiger. Hello. And Luke Friesen. Yes. And of course, Stephanie is on the keys today. That's when you like play a jingle. Different kind of different kind of keys. You know, it's like the the radio DJs that all like are ready for like those sound the things. sound bites. Yeah, we, we got to incorporate that like live, just like the. Ba-da-ba-bum. Yeah, exactly. Something like that. Yeah. So uh, Stephanie, wasn't that the McDonald's theme song, Nancy? Yeah. It could be. I haven't been there in a while. <laughs> Thank goodness. Um. <laughs> So it's like not officially a snow day, but we've had some crazy weather in the last few days. Anyone have some harrowing stories? I nearly slipped on my <laughs> driveway in the same spot twice. Mm. Once last night and once this morning. Amazing. Wow. But I didn't fall. Thank Neither goodness. times. Andy, uh, just so everyone knows, Nancy, you are married to Andy Steiger. That's correct. Wow. Can you just tell us what your role is? Yes. Why are you in this office? I am in this office because Apologetics Canada is in this office, and I am the executive assistant. So I work with Andy, and I work actually with a lot of the Northview staff. Mm. So to go even further than that, Andy sort of has two roles here, yes. right? He's on staff at Northview as... As the young adults pastor, so he wears two hats, and uh, so he's the young adults pastor, and then he's also the president of Apologies Canada. I don't know what I was going to try and say, but yes, that's right. All right. We're going to talk more about that awesome. in a little bit. Cool. Um, anyone else? I have a snow story. Okay. I picked up uh, my wife, Danae, from the airport, Vancouver, on Sunday night. And nice. so driving there, you got to see like eight, seven cars in the ditch on the way there. And on the way back, we saw probably more cars in the ditch. And we picked up this one lady who was just stranded in her vehicle. It was the second time as she was driving from Vancouver back to Abbotsford, the second time she was in the ditch that night. What? Yeah. She's going 80 the first time. She's like, oh, I can't go 80. It's too too fast. And then she goes 40 and still lands up in a ditch. Oh, my word. And so she's pretty shook up. And then so we picked her up, dropped her off, sent her on her way. Wow. That was crazy, though. Was so. the car done the second nah, time in the No, day? it was just stuck. It was just in a snowbank. It looked fine, but... There's so many cars, and then there's just cops everywhere. There's one at one point the cop came, made sure we were okay, and then drove the other way on the highway <laughs> against traffic. Wow, cops wow. could do whatever they want. It's when it all started. When all the cops downhill. do what they want, <laughs> that's downhill. <laughs> that um, too. Anybody? I have I have snow stories. So Ezra, do you have any? No, I don't. Do you go in the snow, Ezra? <laughs> Why would I? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I have one great story. No one caught that. I said snow stories. Get it? Huh. Snow story. Anyway, like there's, I have snow stories, and then I asked if Ezra had any. Come on, guys. Snow I got what you said. Yeah, and Ezra and I, just didn't even give it time. He's like, I, I, just shaking uh, yeah. No. Okay, I have one. I have one great story, but it's from it's from it's from years ago when I first got my license. I was like 16, driving a really beat up Toyota Corolla mm. on the Abbey Mission Highway at midnight it's coming down it's snowing real hard don't have winter tires i'm driving and i'm just struggling to see and all of a sudden i pass a pedestrian 
oh. walking on the side of the road. And it looks like we're in the middle of nowhere heading towards Mission, and we were still ways away from the bridge. And I was like, that looked like someone who's walking to Mission. So I pull up like a few hundred meters away, and I just wait. And this lady comes walking towards me, and she was dressed like she had been out clubbing or something, like at, at a bar, wearing like high heels, walking in like six inches of snow, <laughs> and like a tiny little jacket, and she looked like she was freezing oh my. and so i like waited for her to walk to my car I'm, like standing there and she's like starts walking really slowly and i'm oh like my. hey i know this looks really weird but you look freezing and you shouldn't be walking can i drive you somewhere and she was like so cautious like mm. who's this creep yeah and i was like i know this looks really weird but it's freezing and you really should get in my car and i should <laughs> drive you wherever you're going and so she did uh, after a few more minutes of convincing and I, she's like, just, you know, we get on the other side of the bridge and she's like, oh, you just dropped me off here. I was like, no way. I'm getting you there. This isn't far enough. And so, and so we take all these detours and I'm like, okay, I can make it up the big hill. No. She's like, no, no, no. You just drop <laughs> no. me. Drop me at the bottom. I'm like, no, no, no. I, I'm good. I'm good. No. This is a 16 year old me. I'm like, I can see whatever. where these stories going. And uh, I end up getting up the first section of the hill like barely i was like wow that's amazing and she's like i'm a few more blocks and i was like yeah maybe i'll just turn onto like third or fourth ab or whatever i'll just let you you can walk the rest of the way she was very thankful and she's like you're crazy but thank you and whatever and so then i head you know so west you drop or whatever i drop her off and she walks like just up two more streets but then i gotta go down the oh, hill <laughs> and so i'm like okay i'm just gonna take this slow and as soon as I start going down the hill, I, I just touch my brakes and I'm sliding. I'm sliding the whole time. So I slide down the entire hill and slide right through the intersection and, <laughs> and, and, and stop halfway into the main intersection on the mission, like main strip. Oh, oh. my. On and fast then I'm like, And then yeah. I'm like, well, I guess I'm just going to go, go down this street. So I turn left. Wrong which way. happened to be the one way and I didn't I had no idea there was no one on the road so I start driving down the mission drag the wrong way and it's still snowing and then I go past a bar where there's like three like biker dudes smoking on the side of the road and they start yelling at me and I'm I just put my hands up I'm like what and then a little while later, there's a cop car and, no. a, and a cop Perfect. parked, uh -huh. and he's outside of his car. He just raises his hands and looks at me, <laughs> and I literally just, I just raised my hands and was like, I don't know, <laughs> and he just shook his head and let me go. Oh. He's like, yeah, I, well, whatever. whatever. Yeah, it's, yeah, so I just, it's not yeah. He's it not was, hitting anything. It was great. Oh, that's funny. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, other, like, news, you know, uh, Quickly, the Oscars, the nominations just came out. Anyone following that? No. J-Lo got snubbed. Oscars so white. Really? No. She got snubbed. Apparently, she was supposed to be in there. Mm. Mm, poor J-Lo. We, we won't speak of her, okay. her film. It's not really appropriate. But yeah, apparently, she should have been in there. And she oh, was that that teacher <laughs> one? No. No, we won't get into it. <laughs> Don't look it up. Uh, we could just erase that. Um <laughs> Anyway, I saw 1917 over the weekend. Anyone see that? Front Runner won the Golden Globe for Best Picture. No. No? Yeah. The war film? It's, it's a very interesting show. I haven't watched it yet, but I saw the trailer, mm -hmm. and it was like, whoa, it, it, it was intriguing. The entire two-hour film is as if it was done in one take. 
So oh. it's all in real time. Oh, wow. These two soldiers are given uh, an order, and you follow them for the next two orders or two hours, trying them trying to fulfill this mission. And it's as if there's there's no cuts. It just the camera stays with them the whole time, and it's incredible. Interesting. Wow. Fascinating. Yeah. Very well done. We watched Jumanji over the. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yep, that movie. also That's got snubbed. Where we're apparently, at yeah. I'm uh, <laughs> really hoping yeah. The Rock would get nominated, mm-hmm. but he didn't. He didn't. No. I, I laughed my face off. Oh, though. Yeah. Yeah. It was a funny movie. It was. Yeah. Kevin Hart kills me. Yeah. Yeah. Funny guy. Well, since uh, that's all we want to talk about for movies, is that are we good? Anything else? I don't think I have anything else. No. Okay. Any uh, hot hot take for these snow days? What should everyone be watching? Ezzy, you got any like documentaries or mm. or anything that you're like, yeah, everyone should watch this if you're stuck at home. <laughs> I actually referenced a. Uh, a series, a documentary series on Netflix in my sermon. But I don't know if this is something that people will enjoy per se. There's a series called Captive on Netflix, mm. and it's a story about, I mean, it's it's a series of stories about different people who travel to different countries and then they're abducted. Yikes. For ransom. terrifying. For, for ransom. And then uh, it's just a story of how uh, their rescue worked, or so, in some cases, others it didn't work out, and things like that. In particular, uh, there is uh, the fourth uh, the fourth episode in this documentary series. It, ta- it uh, tells a story of a missionary couple who went to the Philippines, and uh, they had been there for seventeen years. Doing um, the husband was a pilot, uh, just. Uh, flying different supplies to missionaries who are up in the jungles where there are no vehicles or no roads to, to bring the supplies. So he fly, uh, flew these supplies there. Anyway, uh, they were on their just anniversary. They went to a little resort just to celebrate just for a weekend or whatever. And while they were there, they were abducted. And then it just tells the story of over a year of just trekking in the forest, in the jungle with these rebels and what they needed and all that. Um the, the 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 husband ends up being killed uh, while in the forest before the, during the rescue mission. This is a year of hiking. Uh, this lady then writes a book about this whole experience. She's a Christian woman, like a phenomenal story of just uh, uh, Christian faithfulness in the midst of very very difficult and trying circumstances. So I, again, I don't know if there's something that people would enjoy binging on, or it's not a binge thing, but it's more like, a, wow, what an inspiring story. Not saying that the entire series is Christian. It just so happened that the fourth episode told a story about this lady in 2001 and her husband who abducted. Well, we only endorse films like Fireproof on this podcast. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we're not saying go watch it, but if you do, episode four. Episode four would be All interesting. Right. <laughs> that, that'd, be I, a, that'd be an interesting story. I think anything that comes on Netflix is really uh, watch or beware these yeah. days. Yeah. Just saying. Well, maybe Leland Clausen will mm. get a film on there soon. He's just releasing his latest we one. Get yes. Flix. He just yeah. starred in one. Yeah. So hopefully that'll be coming to a That's screen exciting. near you. Well, I'll probably just pirate it. <laughs> you know? Support local. <laughs> I actually, just to be to be clear, I actually pay for a, lots of movies on iTunes. So there you go. So today, Nancy, why don't we start off? Well, this will be our little transition. Um, 
why don't you tell us a little bit about the Apologetics Canada conference? Give us the details. When is it? And then just jump into why. Why do you guys do this conference? Absolutely. Um, the, it's coming up in actually under two months. It's on March 6th and 7th. That's a Friday and a Saturday day. And it's our 10th annual conference. Actually, we've been doing this now for 10 years. Super exciting and also crazy to think that it's been going on for 10 years. And this year, our theme is Back to the Future. So we're looking at what are the types of things that the church needs to be thinking about, that Christians should be thinking about in regards to this next decade and how we need to engage culture, right? What sorts of things are culture going to be dealing with that Christians should actually be wrestling through? And so how can we help start those discussions? How can we start engaging our minds and be thinking ahead so that we can start, we can continue to engage culture where things are going at? So that's kind of Actually, the theme of the conference has been every year has been how do we equip ourselves to engage with people and where they're at and the things that that they're either uh, that's happening in, in their school, in their academics or that's happening in culture at large. And how can we um, continue to present the gospel in a way that is that that engages with where people are at? So, yeah. Are there any big, big names or. Uh, keynote speakers that people would need to be aware of. <clears throat> Andy Steiger. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, and he's speaking on Friday. Um, wow. Sam Alberry is coming, and he's speaking on singleness. And then Daryl Bach uh, will be coming. He was supposed to be here last year. He really? Had, Bach yes, is coming? He is coming. He had some unfortunate nice. health issues that he had to cancel last minute last year. Mm-hmm. But he was gracious enough to say, I will be there for 2020. So he will be coming again, and he will be uh, presenting on Saturday. So, Sam yeah, Alberni, those are some... he wrote the book, uh, Is God Anti-Gay? Right? Sam Alberry? Sam, Sam Alberry did, yes. Okay. Yeah. And Daryl Bach is a New Testament scholar. So he'll be addressing... You know, potent um, issues or looking at new scripture, at scripture, at New Testament, and mm-hmm. uh, thinking about what what things you know potentially does he see in the hmm. in the horizon that challenges that may come, or and just equipping us to be able to read our scriptures and to understand and to know them. So yeah. So recently, we talked to the pastors about the ETS conference that they went evangelical theological society conference they went to in san diego mm-hmm. and uh freddie was telling us about you know they were all telling us about how like it's it's not your typical conference it's just a bunch of scholars reading papers some breakout yeah. sessions but it's not the most like rah-rah exciting kind of conference what kind of conference so we, for people who haven't been there what kind of conference is it is it a reading paper kind of conference or Paint us a picture. Very good question. Very good good question. One of the things that we seek to do is to actually be engaging. And we try, and sometimes the speakers we bring, sometimes they're not as recognizable, but we try and make sure that they're people that are good communicators. But one of the things that we're changing this year is most all of the keynote presentations will actually be more of a discussion slash interview. So Steve, Andy, and Terry are actually going to be interviewing our keynote uh, speakers on the stage. And we have something actually really unique, which will probably appeal to more, perhaps a younger audience. But we have a gentleman named Scribe. That's his stage name. Apparently he has three other names, but we'll just use the words, the the name Scribe. He's going to be coming out and he's going to be talking about the art of communication. So even, so one of the things that we desire to do is to give you knowledge 
but then also to give you tools in how do you use this knowledge that you have to actually present and communicate to people. So he's going to be coming at that from this this communication piece from the from the angle of an artist. So yeah, so that's so interviews, discussion, the panel discussion on the Friday. So trying really to be engaging and where it's not all um, super academic, but at the same time, we do want to challenge you to think. So this isn't just fluff. There is some, we want some meat there for people to walk away and to think about. And sometimes even too, with our panelists, you know, it's a panel discussion. So sometimes things can maybe be brought up that are controversial, but we're having a discussion. We're talking things through to see where where people are at and so that makes it fun it makes it engaging right not knowing kind of where 100 percent where it's going to go but trusting in in their knowledge and their experience great yeah no daryl bach will stretch your mind and stretch your thinking i've heard this man speak several times at uh, ets uh he's a professor um at dallas theological seminary i believe he was one of jeff's uh, profs as well, and Kyle as well. New Testament, I think the book of Luke, I believe. Uh, he wrote one of the best uh, uh, commentaries of this book ever. Like, phenomenal work. So I think if you come and listen to Bach as well, like he'll, he'll, he'll be accessible, but he'll also be very deep. So I think you'll enjoy it. Um, who is it for? Is this an accessible conference to bring your skeptic, non-believing friends, or is this more an equipping type of conference for people who are wanting to engage better, or both? Like, what kind of conference is it, this? Who is it, it for? It is really a, a both kind of conference. We do find that it, um, so our target is young adults, but we find that as we target young adults, it really appeals Anywhere from high school students, we have uh, several schools that are bringing 40, 50 students with them. So that's really exciting. They're using it as a as a conference to equip their kids and to um, but then also addressing things in such a way that we're sensitive to people who are in the in the audience who are potential uh, skeptics who are there and who are asking questions who are perhaps um, seeking and and investigating. So then, um, so kind of a conference where we are equipping, but the same in a way that's sensitive to people in the audience who are not believers yet, but who are who are investigating and who are asking questions. And just so people are aware, for anyone that's thinking about bringing friends that aren't believers, is this a very Christian churchy event with worship before so and after? There, there is worship, but it's more of a. It's engaging in regards to we always love the worship component, but it does it, it can be more. I don't want to say performance because they do they are performing from their heart, but at the same so there is a worship component because we want it to be a head and a heart. Mm -hmm. so that's what we believe that we love God with our heart, soul, and mind. So there's all aspects of that part of the conference. So, but that said, a um, couple of the things I'll just plug quickly while I'm talking now is there, if you're a student and you would love to come and right now student rate is $45 until the end of January and you're thinking, I cannot afford $45. If you go to the registration section on apologeticscanadaconference.com, there is something called the Julian High School Scholarship or Student Scholarship. You can apply there and we can get you in for as little as $5. So if money is an issue, Money should never be an issue. And if you aren't a student and you would love to come or you would love to bring someone and maybe you can only afford one registration, just email me 
at nancy at apologiescanada.com and I will hook you up because we never want money to be an issue. We want this conference to be accessible for all people. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and before we move on from that, I also just want to plug the Apologetics Canada podcast, which you guys do. Is that recorded in this room as well? It is recorded in this exact yeah, room. Yeah, and it's an awesome, awesome podcast. Anything you want to say about that? Absolutely. The Andy just did, um, this was not recorded in this room. Andy just went and met up with Lee Strobel and uh, did an interview or a discussion together with him talking about basically the theme of the conference, looking at what's happening in the church in the next decade. But Terry, Steve, and Andy have been doing some great stuff, just looking at, again, seeing what's happening in events and culture or in the news or trends and looking at them from a Christian perspective and having a dialogue. So sometimes they'll have authors in, sometimes there'll be a significant event that's happened in the media or in um, Hollywood, whatever you want to call that, and addressing things uh, from a Christian perspective. So it's, it's exciting. It's, good. it's a good podcast, only awesome. slightly biased. All right. So Apologetics Canada podcast you can find that on the apologetics canada website also itunes and wherever else you get your podcasts i'm assuming yeah there's yeah it's on android devices as well sounds good now i want to have a broader discussion with everyone here uh and get a you know some pastoral thoughts on the importance of apologetics in general how important is it for uh disciples of jesus is it important for everyone should everyone be engaged in apologetics and in-depth study for um, kind of why the conference exists. And maybe, Ezra, you could just give us an overview. What What is apologetics? Why is it important? And who is it for? Is it for everyone? What are, what are average people? How are we supposed to engage with apologetics? I think um, a very basic and simple... Uh, description of what apologetics is or what it achieves is that it demonstrates that the Christian faith is not devoid of reason. Mm. So we are not just believing blind. Mm. There are answers to difficult questions um, and there are people who have sat down and thought through and wrestled with how do you make, how, how, how do the scriptures address the uh, either the physical challenges or the or the uh, um, intellectual challenges that may be thrown against the Christian faith, uh, can we answer? A lot of people in our culture will assume that the Christian faith is just a, hey, a feely-feely, it's a crutch for you, it just helps you get along and things like that, just because either you're not smart enough or capable enough to make ends meet or to have a good life, therefore you're just going to make your heart feel good. Um, by believing in a God who created in six days and uh, the earth, the age of the earth might be just 6,000 years old or whatever the case may be. So, hey, you know, you're, you're, you're dumb to think that. Well, uh, one of the chief tasks of uh, apologetics is just to, to seek to answer uh, critics of the Christian faith who may claim that Christians don't think, they just go with the heart. And, and I think, again, in, in, our, in our secular world here, there is this uh, divide where there is um, what you believe in your heart and what makes you feel good, that's fine, but what is discussed in, in the marketplace uh, needs to be factual. Well, the Christian faith is filled with a, a lot of fact and reason, 
um, just because someone is ignorant of it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist and that, and that it's not there. So I, I think the, the, the role of apologetics in the Christian church is huge and very much needed, uh, not only as something that will edify the Christian who engages in it and actually realizes, wow, the, the scriptures do make sense and it's, it's, and it's not devoid of, of, of logic and reason, but it's also a challenge to, to people who are not of faith, and it might be something that a primer to, to, uh, to um, draw them to investigate a little bit more. Um, oh, I thought the Christian faith just faith thing and nothing more. Well, there is more to it than just a faith thing. There is actually factual reasons that very intelligent people believe in Jesus. He was a real person who re- lived in a real time, and he died, and he rose again, and he ascended in heaven. Right. You said something, Adam, about who's apologetics for, you mm-hmm. know? And I think that we all, there's different personality. We all have different personalities. When I think of Andy and myself, Andy's very logical and philosophical. I am not. I am very <laughs> heart-driven. Um, and so when we started Apologetics Canada, it was very it was a very natural step for Andy. It was not a natural step for me. Because I'm more, I feel more with my heart than I do with, and I move more with my heart than I do with my head. But at the same time, and so it took me a little longer, but I started to engage and engaging more at like an introductory level. And what's beautiful is there are different, there are different resources for people at different levels within their personality, within where they're starting. Um, and but it really equipped me in my faith. Even though I'm a, I'm more of a heart person, it it encouraged my heart to know that the re, the talking about things like does God exist and seeing the the evidence for for God's existence and seeing the evidence and talking about why am I here more than just it makes me feel good or whatever, but actually thinking about it philosophically and then also just as a mom, you know, just because I'm wired by my heart more I that doesn't mean my kids are wired that way or even the people that I interact with are wired that way and so I remember frequently getting in discussions where people could tie me in a, in a knot in like no time because I didn't have the skills to actually engage in conversations that were that were intelligent or beyond just the heart right and so it really gave me skills to talk about my faith with my kids and to talk about my faith with my friends and my neighbors it was, yeah, and so sometimes it's hard because we're like, yeah, no, it's not really for me because that's not how I'm wired. Well, you know, but it gives you it gives you skills to be able to engage in conversation with others about your faith. Yeah, and I think um, something we've been discussing a lot here and the pastors say it all the time is that, you know, Northview isn't, doesn't exist to do everything for you. You don't bring your friends and neighbors here so that we can preach the gospel to them or that we can help bring them to Jesus. I mean, that plays a role, and the church plays a role, and preaching and teaching, all these things play a role, but we are the goal is to equip the people of Northview to be having these conversations and drawing people to Christ and, <laughs> and engaging with evangelism and having the tools they need. And, and so, you know, I'm curious for you to even just share some experiences from your life of, you know, being involved at your kids' schools and meeting other parents or sports activities or just being out in regular life and and how some of these conversations play out or maybe how you've experienced um, just engaging in conversation um, 
with non-believers and anyone can can jump in on this too but just mm-hmm. sort of real life examples of how that could play out and the importance of the different tools to be equipped with hmm. just trying to think of a of an instance yeah i, th- I had one uh it was actually last year in thailand I uh, took the some high school kids there, and we're on the plane ride back. And I was sitting beside this uh, guy. He's like, he's a. He said he was Buddhist, and he was flying back to California. And he started talking to me about his family, and he's like, he kept saying the phrase, like, whatever you do is fine, and that's like, I I'll do what I do. I feel that it's good, and then I'm gonna do it. And it, which was weird. He just kept saying, he's like, whatever you feel is fine. And then he started talking about his son and how his son became a Christian. And, uh, and I'm like, boom, there's my point. So I jumped in and, uh, I started talking about like morality and well, where do you think you get this morality from? If you, you don't get it from God, I actually took Andy's class, uh, second year at CBC. So anything I know about apologetics is only due to Andy. And, uh, so I'm talking and he's just like, he looks at me. He's like, I see what you're doing. My son said the exact same thing. I don't want any part of it. Okay. Do you still want to talk? He's like, yeah, I want to talk. Just not about that. I'm like, okay, cool. And so we then had a delightful conversation about family and faith and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and it was like kind of like cool because like here I am the leader of this missions team and here are 27 high school students. All, all of them are in front of me and they could all – and we're the only ones talking on the plane. And so it was like just a, a cool – I'm like, oh, well, Luke, don't mess up. You're, you're, there's 27 kids listening to every word you're saying. So it wasn't you saying to him, hey, this is what I believe, what you believe is cool. You know, it's all cool. No. You do your thing. <laughs> no, no, I wasn't saying It's that. all good. We're all on the same team here. No, but that's why apologetics is important. It's like, because it's not just based upon the feeling. And he's like, whatever, whatever you do is good. If your conscience says that's good, then that's good. And it's like, no, we have a higher morality in God. And apologetics is a great job uh, of getting some of those arguments. Like Daniel Willem, uh, no, William Craig, Daniel? No. William Lane Craig. William Lane Craig. That guy's incredible. Oh, my word. Read his book, On Guard. Yeah. I, I went to one of the conferences he was here, and yep. it was like, I didn't understand a word he said. A lot of people didn't. Everyone was just laughing by the end of it. <laughs> I just remember he kept saying argument after argument, and the whole cr- room just started laughing. He was using words people didn't understand. It was interesting. He was a learning experience yeah. for us uh, in hosting the conference. We... He's like one of those people. He's one of the smartest people alive. Like truly, he's like top the man, five smartest Christians the in the man world, is or something like that. Brilliant, and he's he's rich with knowledge, and he sir and he serves in the world of academia and and his anyways. And so we brought him out to the conference because a lot of people. There's a lot of mm. William Lane Craig groupies out there who oh, yeah. are They're everywhere. who are there and who I who who get him. But then there's a lot of us. There's the normal people. Then there's normal people yeah. who he just speaks right over their head. <laughs> and so he's kind of, he's not the gateway to uh, apologetics. Um, he's where you get to after you've been in the area of he's the, study. He's for the nerds. He's like for the, the, the hardcore nerds. Yeah. But we need people like him because we need right. people who are in the world of academia, totally. who are upholding the faith in in an intellectually robust way. So absolutely. And so we, we learned from that, that there will not be a William Lane Craig uh, <laughs> level at our conference this year, uh, much to the disappointment of some people, but uh, I think it will on the whole, it, yeah. it serves, I think a larger purpose. Um, and that said, we do appreciate him greatly. Mm-hmm. I think in our culture, there is, um, I think society at large has 
um, when when you when you talk about truth, mm-hmm. uh, truth is relative. And so there is this uh, grid, and I forget who who came up with the with the with the grid. Uh, there is the fact value split. So there are facts. Nancy Piercy. Yes, and then there are values, <laughs> and then there's a divide. So uh, facts are things that are very objective. One plus one is two. If I'm going to work and we, we agree that my wage is going to be $16 an hour. So that means by the end of the day, you'll give me, if I work 10 hours, it's $160. Straightforward. That's a fact. There's no, it's not ambiguous, whatever. And then there are values. And values are things that we value and we cherish. And my values may be very different from yours. So you may value this. I value that. Uh, because we come from different cultures. So values are very subjective and not objective. So they're not factual. So in our culture, uh, in many ways, we would say uh, things that are factual, of course, we can have a public discourse on those things. We can talk about them in the marketplace. We can debate them and all those things. But values, who are you to tell me what I value is wrong? And who am I to tell you what you value is wrong? And so the unfortunate thing is religion or faith or Christianity has been relegated into the realm of value. So people say, hey, I'm not going to beat down your Christian faith. I mean, it's a value to you, good for you. If it works for you, that's great. But it doesn't work for me. So just let me be. And we ought not to discuss these things in the public discourse. Why? Because it is in the value category and not in the faith category, in the fact category. So now where apologetics comes in and people like William uh, Lane Craig and others like him, they actually begin to defend and actually argue to say, no, the Christian faith is not just in the value realm. It is also in the factual realm. Mm -hmm. And then now they endeavor to to engage this conversation. So a lot of people in, in, our, um, in our church family, even people who are listening, one of the reasons why we don't share the Christian faith is because we feel like, hey, I would be intruding in this person's privacy right. or I'm imposing the Christian faith in this person. Why do we think this? And I think we think this way because we have actually bought into what the culture is telling right. us, that the Christian faith is in the value category, and therefore what is good for you and what you value does not necessarily mean that you have to, to uh, shove it or share it or impose it on somebody else. So it almost seems like when it comes to evangelism and engaging people with the gospel, we are kind of like either shy or embarrassed or mm. even apologetic for it, where mm-hmm. it's almost like I have to apologize to share the gospel with you. Right. Like, I don't want really to offend you. Mm-hmm. Why do we think this way? Because the culture has taught you in very subtle ways that this is not a factual thing you're sharing. Right. It is a value thing that you're sharing, and you just hope against all hope that they will value the same thing as you do. Where apologetics really, really helps us to think differently and say, no, it is a value, yes, mm-hmm. and... It's also factual. Yeah, I think with that too, like, I think we live in that world where we think that person is fine, where it's like, that's why we're not sharing with them, that we we believe that because you live by your truths, that you actually probably don't need my truths. You're living your life fine. Until we see someone actually, like, broken in, like, the public square when someone says, I'm not okay, would we be willing to be like, hey, I actually have something that actually is good for you, and his name's Jesus, where we're a little timid because we... In our back of our minds, because we believe that truth that Ezra's talking about, 
that we think people are fine believing what they believe. But in mm-hmm. reality, they're not. Do, do you think some of that timidity also goes away when we have a relationship with that person, right? Because then there's more discourse that happens and then you're hearing more of what's going on in their life and your timidity can go like sh- right. calms down or because there's a relationship there, not just based on this evangelism piece, but there's actually a friendship there. And so you're talking about the things that you care about with the people mm-hmm. that you that you have this relationship Actually with. Actually depends. For some friends that, that uh, I may have, that timidity will go away because mm-hmm. I already have a relationship with this person. But then there are other friends who I have who now be concerned. If I open my mouth and tell them about Jesus, there ends the relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 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 it, it's not just friends, but it's, it could also be family members. Yeah. So we will meet and we'll have this unwritten or unspoken yeah. understanding. We will not talk politics or religion mm. in our gatherings. Right. And we will get along just fine. But the moment you talk about politics or the moment you bring Jesus into the mix, I mean, you can talk about Allah. You can mm. talk about uh, Hinduism and Sikhism and all that. But the moment you bring Jesus' name to the table... All better off. So relationship, yes, in certain in certain circles, mm-hmm. yes, but definitely not all. Yeah. At so least are, my opinion. Yeah. So what do we do in those cases, whether it's a family member or someone that we've been in friends with for years and years? How do, how do we approach that? Should our mindset be always, how do I sneak it in? How do I <laughs> package it? How do mm-hmm. I bring it up in a way or invite them to this thing, like my strategy? Or is it okay to faithfully live out your own personal faith in a way that they see and understand how it impacts your own personal life, that you're open to talking about it, and that being a faithful friend that is you know, caring and loving towards them and and open about your own personal faith. I'm just, how do we, how mm. do we engage with the people who are very clearly saying, I don't want any part of that discussion? Do we then just say, okay, well, then I'm going to focus my efforts on over here to this other neighbor who's more open and, mm. and focus all my energy there? Or is it okay, like, like, like even just talking about neighbors, to, to say, well, I'm going to continue for years and years and forever, if, if the case may be, to just continue to be in community and relationship with the people that aren't open to hearing about your faith? Is it okay? Like, tell me. It's interesting because <laughs> Andy and I get that this question a lot. A lot of people come to us and with, because they love these people who who are they and it frequently I feel like the there's barriers when there's a longer term relationship. It happens with family a lot because they know where you stand, and you've probably had this dis- discussion many many times, and they're not unfamiliar with your beliefs or your arguments or any of those things, and they have chosen not to believe for various different reasons. And how do you faithfully um, care for them and and desire to share what you care about Christ with the people that you love so deeply. And I think, Adam, I think you're right. I think that you, you do it through your actions, right? Mm. You do it through and that you're just there and present in those moments when they need, when they need care and support. And so I, 
I mean, I think apologetics is a tool that's appropriate in certain places, but in other places, you know, it just, you serve them through your actions and you should serve them through your caring, you know? So I think we have lots of tools in our, in our relational belts that we need to use in the way that we share the gospel. So in Matthew chapter 10, uh, verse 16 and following in particular, Jesus will remind his disciples that, Jesus says to his disciples that, hey, I am sending you as sheep among wolves. And then he talks about how the disciples will be dragged into the courts of the religious leaders. They'll be flogged because of their faith and all that. And then Jesus goes on to, 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 to even talk about how, you know, a brother will put another brother to death, uh, a father his son, a son his father, uh, a daughter his mother, her mother, and so on and so forth. Um, and Jesus goes on to say some very startling things to say, everyone will hate you because mm-hmm. of me, and, and this kind of language. So I think for us, as we go out and evangelize, of course we want to be winsome, and you should be winsome. It is a Christian thing to be winsome when you're sharing Jesus. Never be uh, arrogant or boisterous or shoving it in people's faces. No, you, you, you do your best to choose language that will be winsome and gentle and always seeking peace, even though the message you bear will be viewed as very combative and offensive. Um, so I think that's the first thing. The second thing I would say is, um, we also need to realize the moment we begin to share Jesus with people, you will lose some mm. relationships. And it, that's just how, that is the, the, the nature of the game. It's like if you're going to play hockey, the puck will hit you at an uncomfortable spot. It hit you in the chin where you, or, or, or the shins or your chin or your mouth or whatever, you will lose a tooth. Mm. If you're going to play that game, Getting seriously injured is part of it. Right. So the same thing, if you're, if you're going to share the gospel, uh, which we are commanded to, then it is going to cost you something. You will lose relationships. Yeah. Um, now, it's not you losing relationship because you are very arrogant in how you're sharing the gospel, but people will take offense and will want nothing to do with you. So entering into those conversations, realizing that, yes, this is a huge potential is big. And this means you might lose lose relationships with your children, with your parents, with your siblings, with your neighbors, with your best friend, with people you grew up with. This is very possible, Mm -hmm. as winsome as you may be. So get we just have to 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 get uh, to get uh, comfortable. Comfortable is the wrong word. Used to that. That's the reality that we walk into. Um, and then the, the, the final thing I, I want to say here would be, man, we pray. Mm, yeah. We pray yeah. and pray, and as long as the person is still breathing, mm-hmm. and they may even have want nothing to do with you, even if it means praying for them for decades, oh, we pray and pray yeah. and pray that the Lord would soften this person's heart, Mm-hmm. that the Lord would send other servants to them mm-hmm. to proclaim the same message that you are. Mm-hmm. Because, again, regardless of, regardless of what your faith persuasion may be, by that I mean whether you're Calvinist, Arminian, doesn't matter, both camps will believe that the Spirit of God has to do right. a work in that individual for them to come to saving faith. Mm-hmm. So we pray, Lord, would you soften the hearts of these people 
that they may see the glorious nature of the gospel and come to saving faith. And this is something that we, we need to pray for relentlessly and consistently. Otherwise, these people are not going to come to faith, mm. regardless of what uh, gospel message Jeff preaches, mm. what uh, apologetic argument Andy Steiger puts before them, or William Lane Craig, mm. or whoever. These people mm. won't come to saving faith if the Spirit of God hasn't softened their hearts mm-hmm. to embrace this message. So we pray a ton, but also realize you might lose some very dear friends in the process. Yeah. Um, I want to wrap our time up here. That was all great thoughts from everyone. Um, but before we do, I just want to share one uh, story that came to mind as we've been talking. And, you know, I'm a big uh, lover of stories. It's one of the things, uh, that's why I love movies so much and, and podcasts of, of different varieties. Um, just love stories. And one of the things that spurs me on the most of my faith is hearing testimonies and stories of other people and how God has worked in their life or through them or through their families. And so, um, a few months back, East Abbotsford had a worship night and part of that worship night, similar to what we did with Selah here, um, at Downs Road, but there was a worship night and they invited, um, a few people on stage to share. And the story that they told, uh, keeps coming back to mind over the past few months. I think about it often. And, and, and I used to uh, help create the videos that we used to do called Pulse, where we shared testimonies of people. And I thought, man, I really want to do one on this story. Um, so I'll take this opportunity just to, to give a little <laughs> recap. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think it's a great example of, of what we we're talking about, of just how to engage with people and talk with them and, and, and kind of play the long game. But basically the story is um, there's a, a young family at East Abbotsford and the the mom, um, she's only in her 30s. They're not, you know, anyway, they're in their 30s. She's doing some studying, master studying, so she would spend her weekends, often or her Saturdays, for several hours at a coffee shop. She'd go to the same coffee shop, sit in the same spot, and just study for hours and hours. And whenever she lifted her head to take a break or to stretch or to just, like, get her mind off of her studies, there was the same older gentlemen sitting nearby and they would just strike up conversations every week, week after week. And throughout these 15 minute conversations, they just got to know each other and started to ask each other questions and learn about one another. And she was open about her faith and what she believed and asked about his life and learned more about him. And, you know, they just started to develop this relationship. And then um, as time went by, she invited him to church. He said, no, not for me. I'm not interested in that. That's fine. Um, and through other avenues, she just said, you know what, just come to my house. You don't have to come for, you don't have to come to church, but my family, my parents are are doing a big family, you know, meal on Sunday. Come to that. And he's like, okay, fine. I can come to that. So he came, met her family, her kids, her dad, who's also in, in, in her bigger family that all attend Northview, and they just embraced him and said, you're welcome here. Come and share food with us. They were all just so, uh, they just embraced him. And over the next several months, a few more visits to each other's homes, um, he eventually said, you know what, maybe I'll give this church thing a try. And he came because he just felt so welcome, and these Christians were being so warm and welcoming to him. And he came. And after a few times of coming and again feeling like, wow, these people at this church are just so welcoming and nice and friendly and want to talk to me, 
he gradually started to think about it and he ended up giving his life to Jesus. Mm. And awesome. he was on stage at this worship night with um, Amanda, who's, t- who's, you know, the two of them telling the story together. That's and cool. there's these two people who've just become friends because they met at a coffee shop and through just year a year-long conversation, he was, he's now... They're part brother, of our church. Yeah, brothers and sisters. And he's getting now. plugged in. He's getting sister. he's a part yeah. of a men's group and he's mm. part of an accountability group. All these things. It's like, wow, this is why we do it. It's not about a one conversation. You have one chance. You gotta share the gospel. It's show care, show an interest in people's lives. Spend yeah. the time to get to know them. And you know, anyway, I just thought that was a great illustration or great story, testimony to spur us on and encourage That's awesome. us. Um, so actually on that, you know, for those of you who are listening, if you have friends, I always say friends because I know people aren't going to, you know, send their own personal stories of how they've (laughs) won someone to Christ or whatever. If you do, great, send that to us. But, you know, if you know people who have similar stories, we'd love to hear those. We'd love to be able to share more stories like that, um, in various ways. So send us those and hopefully we can encourage and inspire more people through the stories of what God is doing through the people of this church. So mm-hmm. thank you. Uh, any other last comments uh, on this? Any go-to uh, apologetics resources? We've mentioned the podcast for Apologetics Canada. Any like, hey, Apologetics 101 like books. If there's one book you need to pick up or one blog you need to read, Pastor Ezra, Nancy. No, I, I think, I mean, given given the fact that we are definitely uh, uh, highlighting the Apologetics Conference, I think the first place to be would be, hey, why don't you go to the Apologetics Canada um, Canada website? Because I'm sure you guys have a ton of resources on that site. There's some stuff there. And if you are interested in coming to the conference, we will be at the Downs campus this weekend. And we will be at East Abbey this weekend. And next weekend on January 26th, we will be at Mission Campus. So come talk to us there. We would love to um, talk to you where you're at. If you'd love to come to the conference or you just need some thoughts on some different resources to either start your journey if you're in the middle of your journey or wherever you're at. All right. And lastly, if you are curious about whether or not church is on or events are canceled or ministries are running or not, check the website for the snow report. We're keeping that updated also on social media. Anything else you need, go to northview.org.